want to wish all of you a, a wonderful Lord's Day. What a great day it is as we begin this new week in our lives to assemble together here as God's people to offer our worship and our praise unto Him. As is usually the case in pretty much all of our assemblies, Sunday or Wednesday, we have those who are visiting with us. Some of you may be uh, God's children from other places, and we are certainly delighted that you have uh, made it a priority to come and to uh, assemble together with God's people here while you're away from home. But we may have some visitors with us that are not children of God, and we are certainly thankful that you have decided to come and to be with us as well. Uh, one thing I, I have already found out about this congregation just in almost six months here is uh, what a wonderful job we do, I think, as a whole of uh, welcoming those who are guests among us. Uh, we have had several that have visited uh, with us just in the past few weeks, and uh, I have had the opportunity, and I hope you have as well, uh, maybe to send them a card or to send them an email or a text or a call or in some way to contact them after they have uh, been with us. And several of those have responded to me, and all of those have said uh, that this congregation here just made them feel very uh, welcomed and a very friendly congregation. And so let's keep that up. Uh, let's not slack off in that uh, because we are trying to uh, show the love of God to uh, anyone who would be here with us. And you are to be commended uh, for that. If someone were to ask you to describe fatherhood, to describe that work of being a father, how would you go about that? What would you say? On the one hand, if you might say that, that fatherhood is something that is exciting. You might say that fatherhood is even something that is a lot of fun. If we truly are trying to be fathers, those of us who are to our children, it is an exciting time in our life. It is a time when we can enjoy our children. But on the other hand, if someone were to ask you to describe fatherhood, you might be thinking kind of the opposite direction. And you might be thinking that fatherhood is something that is very challenging. And fatherhood is something that can, just to be honest with you, can be quite frightening. When we think about the responsibility that God has placed upon our shoulders, these little ones that God gives us as a gift, that we may have about 18 years to try to mold and shape them into the image of our God. That can be a challenge. That can scare us to death. While those in our audience this morning who are not fathers may think that these seemingly opposing statements can't both be true, how can fatherhood be something that's exciting and exhilarating and at the same time something that is frightening and challenging? I believe those of us in the audience this morning who are fathers know that both of them are true. Where do fathers learn how to be a father? Well, for some of us, it may be that we learn from our fathers. We looked at our dad and we saw how he conducted himself and we looked to his example and we have memories if perhaps he is not with us anymore of how he raised us and we learn from our fathers. For others, we may have learned from a father figure. Maybe we never met our biological, physical father. Maybe we don't know who that man is. 
And maybe we will never meet him. But we had a father figure who helped us along the way and helped teach us what it means to be a dad. But for all of us who are God's children, we have, whether our father taught us about fatherhood or some other man taught us about fatherhood or perhaps no one taught us about fatherhood in our younger days, all of us who are children of God can learn from the Father, our Heavenly Father, what fatherhood means. And so on this Father's Day, I want us to look here at the passage that our brother Richard, I remembered his name this morning, (laughs) our brother Richard read for us a few minutes ago as we began our assembly from Hebrews chapter 12. And that's where my Bible is open this morning. And I would invite you to open your Bible again there to Hebrews chapter 12. As we look at this little section here in the middle of this chapter, it may not I'm sure many of us have read and studied this passage many times in the greater context of the book of Hebrews. And we think about this passage from the standpoint of discipline, and certainly that is what the writer is describing for us here. But I, I am suggesting to you this morning to maybe perhaps think about it in a little bit different light or from a little bit different vantage point. Yes, to think about a father's discipline, and we'll discuss some of those things this morning, but to think from the greater context or the greater picture about fatherhood and what the Hebrews writer has to say to us here about how our father fathers us and how we as earthly fathers can look at his example, his pattern, and we can learn fatherhood from our heavenly father. As we learn fatherhood from our father, first of all, we find here in verses 5 through 8 of this text that that fatherhood means showing true love for our children. Read those verses with me again, beginning at verse 5 here of Hebrews chapter 12. The writer again says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are approved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, you are all of which you have all become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. I think we need to remember this about God as we think about who our Heavenly Father is, as we think about His character and how He interacts with us, and that is this, that everything really that God says to us in this book that we call the Bible, that we call the Word of God, the written Word of God, I believe that what God has to say to us in His Word, the things that God does for us in our lives every day, we need to remember that everything about God that He says and does is really done out of love for us his sons, his children. Those things are not done primarily out of anger, although we know as we read through the scriptures that God displays his wrath from time to time, even against those who are his sons, even against those who are his children. But it's not primarily done out of anger. It's not primarily done, it's never done, I don't think, in God's regard, out of bitterness or meanness. But all that God has said to us in his word comes from his love for us. He is trying to keep us from trouble when he gives us a command and he says, don't do something. Uh, Don't be this way. Don't think this way. Don't live your life this way. He is trying to keep us from trouble. He's not trying to keep us from some joy that would come into our life as Satan would have us believe. 
And God expresses His love for us by always doing what is good for us, our ultimate good. As we just mentioned a minute ago, His commands are for our good always and for our survival. That doesn't just apply to the things that we read in what we call the New Testament or the new covenant that we have with our God. But that even goes back to Old Testament principles. Back in the book of Deuteronomy, as Moses again was was kind of uh, going over the law with the children of Israel before he was about to die and preparing them to finally enter into the land of Canaan under Joshua's leadership. He said to them at the very end of that chapter, we probably remember even in a lesson like this, uh, the early part of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and the instructions that are given to us as parents. We'll come back and uh, talk about some of those things here in just a moment. But at the very end of this chapter in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 24, uh, God speaking here, Moses says, So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always and for our survival as it is today. And then reiterates those words, but maybe slightly differently over in chapter 10 of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 10, beginning at verse 12. Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Moses wanted the people to remember before he was about to depart this earth that every command, every instruction that God gives you as his children is ultimately for your good. Sometimes maybe we don't see, what, why, why, how is this hap, ha, helping me? Why, why is this for my good? We don't see perhaps the good in every instruction from our Father, but we have to trust that it is for our good because He loves us. His answers to our prayers, I believe, Je- Jesus tells us in the Gospels, is ultimately for our good, for our eternal good. Here, Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 draws a comparison, as the Hebrews writer is here in our text in Hebrews 12, between our heavenly father and earthly fathers. Hebrews, or Matthew chapter 7, uh, beginning there at verse 9, he says, in the context of us asking, seeking, and knocking upon heaven's door when we need things. Verse 9, he says, Or what man is there among you who... When his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? And then Luke records this, maybe not the same occasion, but similar words that Jesus uh, speaks here in Luke 11 and verse 13. And he says there, will not God give to those the Holy Spirit who ask for him? So God is not just giving us physical things that are for our eternal good, but even giving us of himself as we enter into this relationship with him, giving us of his spirit, knowing that that ultimately is for our good. God's discipline, as the Hebrews writer is definitely specifically describing for us here in this particular text, even when God's discipline is that which is corrective in nature, That which is punitive in nature is for our good. It is done out of God's love for us. Notice what the Hebrews writer says in the verses we just read here from Hebrews chapter 12, that God deals with us as with sons. He deals with us as with sons, people whom he loves. Not people whom he hates, but people whom he loves. 
not people who primarily he, and first and foremost is angry at or bitter against or wanting to show meanness toward, but people whom he loves. And so fathers here in the audience this morning, it must be the same for us as we look at our heavenly father and see how he parents us, how he is a father to us. The rules and the boundaries that we give our children from time to time, especially when they're young. The, the gifts that we give to them, as we have read here in these two passages from Matthew and Luke. The, the way that we train and correct our children, everything in, in any way that we re- interact with our children, all of that, if we're going to really practice fatherhood like our Heavenly Father practices it and shows us, all of that has to be motivated by love. Listen to the words of the wise man as these passages here on the screen, going back to the book of Proverbs. Let's notice just a couple of these uh, uh, bits of wisdom that he gives us here in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Proverbs 3, beginning at verse 11. Here is the wise man writing to his son, and he says, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. The Hebrews writer is going back to this particular uh, old wisdom and drawing upon that as he writes our text as we're looking at this morning. And then from chapter 13 at verse 24, notice that the wise man says to his seer that he who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Genuine love for our child father, genuine love for our child's eternal well-being, it must be, again, the driving force. It must be what motivates us to do all that we say and do as a father. Whether that is a pleasant conversation or a pleasant interaction that we have with our child, or whether it's an unpleasant interaction. He says there again from Proverbs 13 and verse 24, we don't need to withhold the rod from our son. That is the wisdom of God. That's not the, my wisdom or the wisdom of man. And I will tell you as a father, that's one of the hardest things. That, that's one of the uh, most frightening things, to be very honest with you, when I first became a father, to think about, yeah, I'm going to have a lot of fun times with this child, but also I've, I've got to take corrective, punitive discipline. I can't withhold the rod from my child. I don't believe God or the writer here is telling us that we need to abuse our child. as is so common in our culture today. There is a place where it goes beyond discipline and it gets into abuse. But nevertheless, there is a reason for that because we love our child, just like God loves us enough that he's going to discipline us when we need that. As we're reading here in Hebrews chapter 12, let us as fathers then work on not being angry with our children and letting our anger come out as we discipline them. Let us not be bitter against them. Let us not just be in a a mood that we are mean and we're going to show that meanness to our child. But let everything that we do in bringing our children up in the Lord's admonition and instruction be done from love. Secondly, as we come back here to our text in Hebrews chapter 12, looking at verses 9 and 10, we find that fatherhood means teaching our children about God. Verse 9, the writer goes on to say, Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. 
Our Heavenly Father does not see, I don't believe, His fatherhood, uh, does not use, rather, His fatherhood to inflate His ego. God's ego does not need to be stroked. (laughs) Or does He use His fatherhood to selfishly get His way? Nor does He use His fatherhood to assert His power in a domineering way. God, of course, is the most powerful being that there is. But he uses his fatherhood to teach us about himself. He uses that position, that role of being our heavenly father to train us to be like him. He uses that role to prepare us to be with him eternally. And through his word, he teaches us about himself. He teaches us to respect and to reverence him because he is God and because we are his children. We are his creation. He teaches us in his word to be submissive to him because he is our father and we are his children. And all of that is done again, as we just made in the previous point. All of that is done out of God's love for us. Because He is trying to mold and shape us, change us into the person that He wants us to be. So that as the writer says here, we may share at the end of verse 10, so that we may share His holiness. And we can share the holiness of God as we live here now upon this earth. But we can certainly share and God wants us to share His holiness forever as we are with Him in eternity. And so, fathers here this morning, we we must do the same for our children. We, We must not be men who are using our position as we may look at it sometimes, or our role, our work. I think that's a better way to to view it. But we must not use our fatherhood to build ourselves up or to show our children, our family, how great we are. Rather, we should use this role and work of fatherhood to magnify God and to show how great and how awesome our God is. Fathers, we must not use fatherhood to get our way, but instead we must use fatherhood to teach our children God's way. We must not use fatherhood to abuse or misuse whatever power or authority that God has given us as fathers, but we must use that power and authority, that position or role, if you will, to teach our children God's awesome power. And how many fathers are there living among us out in the world, but even sometimes amongst amongst God's own people that that are not showing fatherhood in the way that God our Heavenly Father does. They, They are using their fatherhood to magnify themselves and to make themselves look great rather than to magnify our great God. They are using fatherhood to get their own way. Well, I'm the father, and that's the way it's going to be, and you better fall in line. I mean, our Heavenly Father certainly has the power to do that, but that's not how He operates with us, His children. And sadly, how many, especially in the world, how many fathers who have been involved in the process of bringing a child into the world really are not acting like fathers. And they are just abusing their role as a father and abusing their children. It has rightly been said that the first impression that children have of their heavenly father is their earthly father. And I heard that a long time ago, probably before I even became a father myself. 
And that is one of the reasons why I was scared <laughs> to be a father, because it is a very serious task. To think of my three children and their first impressions of just that word father, of that picture of fatherhood is when they look at me. And I'm not always a perfect father like our heavenly father is. But their first impression of our heavenly father is us, fathers. That is terrifying, but it can also be exciting as well to know that we have been given this great gift. We have been given this responsibility, this opportunity to show our children, fathers, about who our heavenly father really is. But as we come back with those thoughts in mind to what the Hebrews writer says here uh, at verse 10 again, he says about our earthly fathers that they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. We only have a short time fathers, to discipline, to instruct, to train, to correct all of those ideas that are involved in that word discipline. We only have a short time to do that for our children. And we must do it, as the Hebrews writer reminds us here in this verse, as, seemed, as seems best to us. Now, if we are children of the Heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, then, as I'm saying to you in this lesson this morning, we don't have to go it alone. <laughs> We have the perfect model, the perfect example for us here to follow. But still, there are times when we have to take principles and precepts and truths of God's word that are just kind of general statements. And then we as fathers have to decide how we're going to apply that in this certain situation with our child. And God doesn't always give us the specifics. I've said many times when we started having children that I wish they had come with a manual. <laughs> you know, if your child says this, then you respond in this way. And if your child does this, then you, you just turn to page you know, 30 uh, under section A, number one, and, and there you find the exact specific answer for every situation that comes. It doesn't work that way. And so it is, as the Hebrews writer says here, as seems best to us. Sometimes we make mistakes as fathers. If we're growing as fathers, hopefully we can look back on previous years and we can say, well, if that situation came along with me and my child today, I would, I would respond differently. I, I, I wouldn't respond in the same way that I did. But we only have them for a short time. And I know, especially when you're a young father and your children are young, <laughs> there are days and weeks and months that it seems like uh, they'll just be in your house forever. And you'll be having to deal with this particular emotion or this particular action. Children grow up just like we do as parents. But I'm here to tell you now, with our oldest just turning 12 a few weeks ago, I, I realize I've only got probably six more years for her to be at home. And that's it. Then she's on her own. If she decides to go to college or whatever she decides to do, and I know I'll still have some influence, hopefully, in, in her life, as she will in mine. But there's a season for training children. And I know that season doesn't last very long. And so we must use our Father's words to reflect Him, earthly fathers, in our words, in our actions, in our attitudes, in our decisions, in our disciplines, so that our children come to know God by knowing us. Again, from the book of Deuteronomy, we're not going to turn back and read these two passages 
but early on here in Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 9, and then uh, somewhat uh, repeated there in chapter 11, 18 through 21, the emphasis many times for us as we turn to those two texts is uh, what we're supposed to teach our children and how we're supposed to do that, that it, we're supposed to talk about God and have his precepts and his word on our minds and on our hearts when we rise up, when we uh, lie down at night, when we're sitting in the house, when we're walking by the way, and all the activities of everyday life. And that certainly is true. But notice that those instructions start with us, parents, that we have to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And especially those of us who are fathers, as we're thinking about this morning, if we're teaching our children truth from God's word, but yet they don't see it lived out in our lives, I don't believe it's going to be very effective. Or at least our children are going to maybe hopefully take the truth we give them from God's word, but they're going to have to kind of dismiss our example as they get older. We remember the instructions that Paul gives specifically to those of us who are fathers in Ephesians 6 and verse 4. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Yes, it is very much true that those who are mothers have that same responsibility to teach and to train our children. And mothers may have more time. They, they even may have more abilities in that regard sometimes than we do as fathers. But still, this instruction is given specifically to those of us who are fathers. We can't pass the buck and just say, well, I've got too, much, too many other things going on in my life. My work is consuming me. I've got responsibilities with the local congregation. I, I've got to do this, that, and the other. And I'll just leave it to my wife to take care of all of that, training children and, and bringing them up in the ways of God. No, we who are fathers need to deal with our children in such a way that we don't provoke them to anger. But on the positive side, we bring them up in the way of God. That means that we must be continually learning how to be a father by daily learning from our Heavenly Father and to have the honesty of heart that we will make changes, that we will admit our mistakes and our sins and our shortcomings to our wife or to our children or to our brethren or whoever it is, that we're not too proud to do that. And so fathers, when our children are grown and gone, they ought to know some things about our Heavenly Father and their relationship with Him. They ought to know what submission to our Heavenly Father looks like. They ought to know what respect and reverence for our Heavenly Father looks like. They ought to know what holiness looks like, and they ought to know that from looking at us. Thirdly and finally this morning, from verse 11 of our text in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says to us here that fatherhood means focusing on the eternal fruit produced. He says, again, in talking about discipline, that all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I know very well, as I'm sure all of you who are fathers or have been fathers know, that the day-to-day -day grind of life, much less the day-to-day -day grind of fatherhood, can wear us down, it can wear us out. It, taking on the responsibility of being a father is not something to take lightly. It is not a job where you can just uh, punch the time clock and you're on the clock and then you're off the clock. It very much is a 24-7, 365 kind of job. 
And so we must constantly keep the goal in mind. Why are we doing all of this? What, 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 is, what is the purpose of me being a father to my children? Well, here is the purpose to train our children in the way of God by whatever means possible so that hopefully they will one day produce spiritual fruit in their life. We're wanting them to share in God's holiness, as we've already looked at from verse 10, but verse 11 here, we're wanting all of this that we're doing as fathers over a number of years, we're wanting it ultimately in the life of our child to yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And whatever that takes as we are bringing our children up while they are in our home, whether that means disciplining them with the rod, <laughs> whether that means taking away toys or screen time as maybe they get a little bit older, maybe restricting privileges. From the positive side of that, reading God's word with them, talking, with, uh, talking God with them in our daily conversations and just looking at the things that we do on a day-to-day basis and seeing the hand of God in those things and pointing that out to our children. There are just a number of ways, a number of things that we can be doing and need to be doing, but that ought to, to be in our minds. And again, when you first become a father... Uh, Maybe those things aren't as clear, at least they weren't for me. But here in recent years, I have begun to try to see situations, especially when there may be uh, correction uh, or uh, uh, punitive discipline that our children need, to not just think about that particular moment and to not just think about that way in which they didn't obey me or their mom to not just think about maybe that word that they said or that emotion that they showed, but to think, how is this going to impact them 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road? How is this going to impact them eternally? What can I do in this situation to shape and to mold them into the image of our Heavenly Father? And so whether it is an administering discipline of a corporal or corrective nature or in some other aspect of fatherhood, we we must not get caught up in the sorrow of the moment, as the writer talks to us here, but we as fathers have to think long-term, past this earthly life, to eternity about who and what we and God want our children to be. That can be very difficult, I know, in the moment, because our emotions may be stirred as our children's emotions are stirred. I don't believe he's just saying to us here in verse 11 from the child's perspective, from our perspective as children of God, that discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Don't you think our heavenly father, when he disciplines us, that there may be some sadness, some sorrow on his end? Did we ever think about that? And certainly that is true. I know children, you can tell them this is going to hurt you more or hurt me more than it hurts you. And I know they don't, won't believe that because I didn't believe it. But when you grow up and you're a father yourself, you come to realize, yes, that's true. There, there have been times that I would be, almost rather be doing anything else <laughs> than having to correct my child. But I have to think this is for their eternal good. Again, some wisdom from the Proverbs very quickly from uh, Proverbs chapter 15 and then chapter 29. Proverbs 15 at verse 20. Here the wise man uh, says to us, a wise son makes a father glad. 
over in chapter 29. Notice a couple of things that he says here. Uh, Proverbs 29 at verse 3, he says, A man who loves wisdom makes his father glad. Uh, also at verse 15, beginning, The rod and reproof give, give uh, wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. When the wicked increase, transgression increases, but the righteous will see their fall. Correct your son and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. Dads here this morning, I, I know how difficult it is again sometimes when the buck stops with us. When, when we have to correct, we have to discipline, even in training our children in, in, from a positive standpoint. That takes a lot of time, a lot of energy uh, from us as fathers. But if we will again keep the goal in mind, one day as the writer is saying to us here, we're going to reap the rewards. And it's going to be great. We, we will look back as our children grow, our sons and daughters grow, and we can see here is a, a young man, a young woman who has wisdom. Here's a young man or a, a young woman whom we have helped mold and shape so that they're not going after the wisdom of the world, but they're living their life according to the wisdom of God. And it will save them so many heartaches and pains throughout their life. But more than that, that we're looking into eternity. And we can be confident that we can share eternity in the presence of God with our children, our physical children. And won't that be the greatest blessing of all? My children, of course, are still uh, somewhat young. And so I haven't experienced everything that a father experiences yet. But one day I want to be able to, to baptize my children into Christ, as a couple of our fathers here have done in recent months. I, I want to be able to see them to grow up, to seek and to serve the Lord. I want to see them choose the path of righteousness. I want to be able to see them uh, grow up to be a godly wife or mother or a godly husband or father. I want to be able to see them be active in God's kingdom to become Bible class teachers. And I don't know if either of my sons are going to be preachers or not. I think they, the uh, youngest one certainly has the volume for it. <laughs> And our middle child uh, really loves music, and I hope he grows up to be a great song leader. Or for our boys to grow up to be shepherds. Or for all of our children to grow up to be parents themselves. But most of all, I want to spend eternity with my children. Because they are God's greatest gift to my life. And I hope we as fathers look at them the same way. As we close, there is a, a song that was, uh, uh, it is in our songbook, by the way, number 556, but it is entitled Train Your Children, written by a, a gospel preacher who has passed on a number of years ago, a friend of mine, Huey Hartzell. And I just want to read some of the words here. He says, precious gifts that come from God, our dear, dear children whom we love. What a blessed privilege we have molding hearts for heaven above. Fathers, you must lead the way, daily teach and with them pray. And the mothers too, with tender hand, kindly guide them, lest they stray. Sweetest home Christ has prepared, where no tear will dim our eye. And our faithful loved ones there can sing grateful praise to God on high. 
The chorus says this, Teach your children, love your children, train them in the way of God. What a sweet reunion there will be in our home eternally. Fathers, we need to keep in mind that's what it's all about. Our Heavenly Father is the perfect Father. He never makes a mistake. He never says the wrong word. His actions are always true and right. Are you a child of His this morning? In a sense, as Paul said as he was preaching to the people in the city of Athens in Acts 17, all of us are children of God, aren't we? We've all been made in His image. But are you a child of God in a special sense because you're a follower of His Son, Jesus the Christ? He is a perfect Father. Do you know Him this morning? Does He know you? Are you in a relationship with Him? If you're not, this is a great time to enter that relationship. He will never let you down. He'll never lead you in the wrong way. He will always do what is for your good. As children of God, are we truly aligned with our Father in heaven? It may be that we have begun to look at the examples that are around us in the world and begun to live like those people rather than living like our God. And if we need to come back to Him, this is an opportunity for you to do that this morning. Whatever your need might be, as we sing this invitation hymn, Bring Christ Your Broken Heart, Broken Life. If you need to respond to the invitation of Christ, won't you do that as we stand and as we sing?